You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengel, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body.io FM. I'm your host, Alex Navarro, and we are Sans Andrea Jangle, AJ. She is not here today, but um, we she will be with us in spirit. And we have a wonderful guest who I'm very excited uh, to share her story. Her name is Danny Sensky. And Danny recently shared a story with us, her story actually, of uh, somewhat of a health roller coaster is what it sounded like. And she's here to share her experience and what she what she found in the improvements that she was able to make in her health once she discovered carb backloading. And I think her story is something a lot of our female listeners can resonate with and sympathize with and I'm really excited to just hear a little bit more in detail about what your experiences were and the improvements that you've been able to see since discovering car backloading and making those adjustments. So, Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're very excited to have you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Good. And you're in the Houston area, is that right? That's correct. Is it is it super hot and muggy over there? You know, it normally yes, but we've had a little bit of a break in that the last couple of days. I actually went outside yesterday and wasn't covered in sweat after, you know, being outside for 30 seconds. So, mm-hmm. you know, you get a little taste of fall and then summer comes back and hits you in the face and then fall <laughs> actually comes. So, we're we're in okay, that stage right now. <laughs> At least you got a little break. It's kind of nice we to break it up just yeah. a little bit. I mean, when it gets down into like the 70s at night, you're like, oh my gosh, fall. So, <laughs> well, good. Hopefully that won't uh, that won't pick up too much more, and then you get to experience the nice coolness. So, exactly. Wonderful. <laughs> well, why don't you just share a little bit about what your experience was like before you found carb backloading? Because your experience and your story is quite extreme. From, from what I gather. And I think a lot of our female listeners will appreciate and sympathize with what you went through because you went through a lot. And like I said earlier, like a, a roller coaster of health issues. Do you want to oh, just start sure. us off at the beginning and tell us what you experienced? Sure. Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So when I look back on things, there were little clues that I dismissed along the way. Um, mm-hmm. But my health really took a turn for the worse. Um, You know, I've been feeling tired and fatigued, but, you know, I've got two kids. I was teaching kindergarten. My schedule was such that, you know, I blew it off as being completely normal or just hormones or something. Every time I went into the doctor, all my tests were, you know, normal within normal limits. So I just assumed, well, it's just part of, you know, crazy life we live. And then a little over a year ago, March of 2014, um, I unexpectedly got pregnant and that wasn't necessarily the best news. We weren't 
planning for it. It wasn't expected, mm-hmm. um, but it happened. And then a week later, I miscarried. And then a few days after that, my mom died. So I always look back at that. It all happened within a week. It was like a atomic stress ball that just got dropped on me. Yeah, seriously. And I mean, one of those things at a time would be enough, but to have both exactly. happen in such a short and, period of time. And it was, it was within, and you know, I'd had a lot of stresses in the time leading up to it, but I had, you know, really gotten into my yoga practice and I felt like when all this hit, like I was almost kind of at a peak, you know, mm-hmm. to where I was, I was felt like I was in good shape. I was eating very clean. I had stopped having, you know, diet sodas and, you know, all those vices that you have, I dropped them one by one. So when this hit, you know, it, it, it really threw me for a loop and, you know, physically and mentally and emotionally. I mean, it was all, all, all consuming. And, you know, the months after that, I, was feeling extremely tired, but I blamed grief and stress and lack of sleep. And, you know, I was, my mom's funeral was on a Thursday and I was back in my kindergarten classroom on Monday. So, you know, there wasn't any time to really catch my breath. And I was like, okay, this, you know, once summer break comes, I'll be able to catch my breath. And, and I did to a certain degree. Um, but the months that followed, it's like the fatigue came back. And when it came back, it was profound to the point where I started having a lot of memory fog. Um, Mm -hmm. I would confuse my left and my right. I would forget what I was saying mid sentence. Very unlike me. I'm, I've always been really quick on my feet. Um, you know, fast thinker, I mean, you, when I taught kindergarten for 17 years. You have to think fast on your feet. I was about to say, that be, right, being around kids all the time, you kind of have to be on point and pay attention. Exactly. And if you've done that for so long, you should be good at it. So to have something like that happen randomly, I'm sure that was kind of scary. It was very scary. And, you know, I was still trying to keep up with my yoga practice. You know, I was practicing six days a week. I was teaching yoga. Um, wow. I had done a yoga immersion program over the summer. Um, So I couldn't understand, like, it's like, I'm doing everything right. I'm eating clean. I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, exercising. I'm doing yoga for goodness sakes. That's like mental and spiritual. It's like, what am I, what's missing here? And Mm -hmm. my health just continued to deteriorate. And I kept going to doctors and they would run tests and, you know, my thyroid was normal and this was normal and that was normal. My blood work looked fine. But I knew in my gut that something was wrong because Mm -hmm. I I didn't feel normal. I'm like, I don't care what the tests say. Like, I don't feel right. It's not normal for someone to wake up after sleeping for 10 hours and still be completely wiped out. Um, I was starting to wake up where every day I felt like I had the flu, that achy, you know, in my Mm -hmm. joints feeling. I started having numbness in my fingers and feet. And again, you know, you, you start, you look for reasons why it's like, well, I do a lot of yoga. So I'm putting a lot of pressure on my hands and my toes. And maybe it's just from overuse. And so finally in December of 2014, I, I hit a wall 
I mean, to where it's like, I, I have to find a doctor that can figure out what's going on. My general practitioners run every test that, you know, she normally does. And I'm still, mm -hmm. you know, feeling horrible. And right. so she sent me to another doctor and they did a more in-depth blood test. And when they called me back in, the doctor was like, I don't see how you're walking into this office because apparently I my Epstein-Barr had been reactivated. I'd had mono as a teenager. And usually once you get it, you get it and then you get over it and it just kind of lays dormant in your body. Right. Well, right. I know that. Mine was triggered, re-triggered. And anything over like as far as their little counts go, anything over 10 is considered a reactivation. My level when I went in, the, in December was 130. Holy um, moly. Yeah. That's why she was like, how are you walking in here? Most people with this level like aren't right. functioning. And no other like, doctors had previously tested that? No. no. And she said by, by looking at that number, it, she, I mean, it's hard to tell exactly when it started, but usually it's a right. high stress event that triggers it. And the best guess is it was retriggered. It was triggered when my mom died and all of that stuff happened. So I had gone like nine months with mono, walking around with mono, working 40 hours wow. a week, practicing yoga six times a week, teaching, keeping up with my kids. Um, we homeschool now. So I was trying to do that. And so she sent me home, was like, rest for, you know, you're going to probably be off your feet needing to rest for, you know, a month or so and then come back and we'll retest. Okay. So that was right before Christmas. And I had a couple weeks off from work and I was like, okay, I'll get a lot of rest and, you know, recoup. And mm -hmm. over that two weeks, I'm, I assuming, just I'm assuming that you stopped yoga at that time. You were just kind of taking um, it easy or, well, or were you doing a little I'm bit? I'm kind of stubborn and I'm really <laughs> paranoid about gaining weight. And so, no, I was still trying to go in and practice, maybe gotcha. modify a little bit, mm -hmm. but I'm, yeah, I'm one of those in, in yoga, we call it a pusher, someone that pushes <laughs> their edge constantly. Yes, I know and, exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm a pusher. I have a bad habit a of that also. Everything I do, you know, like I, I want to be the best. And I want to be on top of it. And mm -hmm. um, I don't think that's unusual. I think a lot of people have, especially type A's, which I am, yes. have a tendency to do that. And I carry that into my practice. It was pointed out several times during my training. <laughs> like I don't I don't back off when maybe right. I should. And so right. it's it's it becomes more of like a, a uh, thing you have to be the best at rather than what yoga is called a, a practice. Exactly. And mm -hmm. I'm I'm very aware of that. And it's something that I try <laughs> to be mindful of when I'm practicing. But it's good. that little part, that ego part of my brain, a lot of times just wins out. So it's something I'm still working on. Um, <laughs> good. Actually, I kind of like when all this happened, I was like, oh, the universe just really wanted me to work through all of the, you know, surrender and be vulnerable and all of that. Mm -hmm. And it has. It's forced me to face those demons, so to speak. Um, but so I, I went my last practice was on December 28th. And 
I left that practice completely. Like it was a vinyan. It wasn't even, you know, a powered yoga um, mm -hmm. practice that I was used to doing. And I could barely make it through the practice. I mean, when we got to Shavasana, I was just, I was like a limp noodle. And so I, I knew then that I was going to have to give up my practice for a little while. And I was okay with that. I was like, okay, that's, I'm, I have mono. You're not supposed to do six days a week practice when you have mono. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> went home, you know, got on the couch. Um, but over the course of about a week, I just kept getting weaker and weaker and weaker to the point where I couldn't walk or talk. And then I got scared. Mm. I, I remember sitting in my bathroom calling my husband and I, sound, I sounded drunk. Like my speech was slurred. I could barely put a sentence together. Um, my oldest, my 13 year old son was having to help me walk from the bathroom to the couch. Um, wow. I, and I got That's scared. scary. It was yeah. the first time in my health experience, you know, any health issue that I've had that I was truly scared for myself because I felt my body literally shutting down. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I was like, my brain is starting to shut down. This is scary. Yeah. What's going to happen next? And so my husband called his, his dad and my father-in-law knows a lot of doctors. He, um, sells used medical equipment and stuff like that. And so gotcha. his dad was just immediately like, you need to take her someplace. This isn't normal. I can't believe they just sent her home with no course of, you know, treatment just other than rest. So. Right. Seriously. Uh, yeah. Cause it was, I mean, my level was so high when I went in. So I went to a different doctor, a friend of my father-in-law's and they did even more testing. They ran all new tests, dug even deeper because they felt like there was something beyond just the Epstein bar that was going on. Um, and when I went in for that, after they got those blood tests back, my Epstein bar level was, they call it too numerous to count. It was oh at a point where I was saturated in it. And they, they, they pretty much gave me the option. They were like, do you need to go to a hospital? Because I didn't want because to. Because it was I that bad. Like, it was that bad. I felt like if yeah. I went to a hospital, though, I, I wouldn't really heal. I knew what I needed was just sleep. And I needed to be home. And I just felt like I could, I, I could heal better at home. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to have home births. I had a midwife. I mean, I'm just not really like. I'm not into traditional, just go and pop a pill and lay in a hospital right, bed kind right, of person. Right, right, um, right. You sound, you sound a lot like my mom, actually. Yeah. I, in and, a lot of ways. <laughs> and like I said, yeah. I'm stubborn, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. you know, I have my view on things. And so this doctor, it was a pair. They, they're wonderful. They've really helped me. Um, they put me on high dose steroids just to try to get the Epstein bar under control because it was so bad. They were afraid that my liver and kidneys would start shutting down. Right. Right. And I had based on the tests that they did, it was in the beginning stages of that. In fact, they were, they told me that 99% of the patients that they would have in there with the same blood work that I did would be in a hospital and would have permanent organ damage. Um, wow. It was that bad. Wow. So, because it had gone untreated for so many months and I had pushed right. through it's, 
we kind of laugh about it. It's ironic. I really feel like my healthy eating habits and my practice, my yoga practice allowed me to go on for so long, but it had to get so bad before it was actually discovered. It's your like body was finally saying, hello, pay attention. Yeah. You're, you're doing all, all the things right, except nothing's actually helping. We're just kind exactly. of, it's, it's like, a, like a temporary Band-Aid. And so I was on the, the prednisone among, along with, you know, a bunch of other stuff. Um, they put me on Cymbalta, which I didn't want to take, but they, you know, said it, it tends to help. Um, they had... Mm-hmm. At that time, I mean, there's no diet, there's no test, diagnostic test for fibromyalgia or encephalomyelitis, encephalopathy, whatever you want to call it. Um, but based on my symptoms and how long things had been going on, they figured that that was probably another aspect of, of my diagnosis. But we had to get that Epstein-Barr under control before they could really see what was there. Right. And so... Um, the high dose steroids were awful. I don't respond well to steroids. I don't really, they didn't really seem to help all that much. Mm -hmm. I ended up feeling actually kind of worse. They made me real, I couldn't sleep. They made me real anxious, you know, so at night I was having to take stuff to go to sleep. The Cymbalta. Right. You're just taking all of the side effects. You end up taking more things. Exactly. To compensate for the side effects of the original drugs. And it was awful. Vicious cycle. And I mean, I look at my, I looked at my kitchen counter, I have pictures of it with just bottles of pharmaceutical meds. And when I finally, you know, with prednisone, you have to, you're on it, the dose is high and then you gradually dose down. I finally, it took me like two and a half months to dose down off of it. But when I finally did, I was like, I'm going off everything. I went off all my meds against doctor's orders. Because I was, I, I really felt like, how do I know how I feel if I have all these meds that are put, giving me these side effects? I don't know if I feel this way because of the med or because right. of the side effect or because of what's of really course. there. So, yeah, so I went off everything. And and that was after how long of, of being on the slew of your, your, your cocktail? I started all this. The, the, the pharmaceutical cocktail started in January and I went off of it beginning of April. Okay. And so and I went during on, that time had, had much changed or it just really. kind of neutralized things, but then you were experiencing the, the side effects from the drugs. Well, yeah. And I mean, I mean, I, I my speech came back. Um, I got to where my, my, um, I could walk to the bathroom unassisted. Um, but that was, I mean, I pretty much for three months laid on the couch. My activity for the day was taking a shower. And if I was Mm -hmm. having a good day, drying my hair and then I was exhausted and I would, I was sleeping upwards of 16 hours a day. Um, the prednisone left me, I mean, I had been doing yoga six days a week and, you know, was eating. I had a, I don't want to say I had like this great, perfect yoga body, but I had a yoga body. It was strong. It was lean. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, defined. And the prednisone left me really bloated and puffy and, you know, just laying on the couch all day. I felt just atrophied. I started my, you know, I'm 41 years old. So 
you know, I have to work to keep things where they're supposed to be. <laughs> and I, you know, it's like in a matter of months, I noticed just my body, just like all that work and effort that I put into making myself, you know, my best self, I felt had just evaporated. And, you know, I would try to get on my mat just a little bit at home. And I mean, five minutes and I'm sweaty and dizzy and can, you know, I'm mm -hmm. then I'm sleeping for three hours, five minutes. I mean, I used to do two hours and I mean, I was like, is this just the new normal? Is this how my life right. is going to be? So there was a lot of, I mean, not only physical stuff I was working through, but the mental and the emotional aspect of it. It was of course, very trying. You know, I had to, I had to quit my job. We lost my income. Um, wow. You know, I, so I your life completely changed, completely changed. I mean, changed. I was bedridden and, you know, I was trying to still kind of eat clean, but nothing sounded good. And I pretty much subsisted on rice, bone broth and fatty steak. Like that's all I wanted. Lots of butter, um, mm -hmm. trying to kind of keep within guidelines, but like, most food just, I mean, it, it, all the meds just spoil my appetite. Right. And so when I went off of everything, you know, I really got a sense of what my body was feeling like. My, my brain got clearer, not being on the Cymbalta and I even, I forget all the meds I was on. Um, but the pain came back tenfold. I mean, it was definitely an increase and you know, when you're managing constant chronic pain, I mean, imagine every morning waking up feeling like you have the flu, like you are achy, you are sore. It's exhausting just getting out of bed. Um, if you Google the spoon theory, that's a really good explanation of how it is to manage something like this. You have a set number of spoons for the day and just getting out of bed is a spoon, you know, washing your hair is a spoon, you know. You've used half your spoons before your day even really starts. Um, right. Just to be able to do normal things. Exactly. So I started really during that month of being off meds, I poured myself into researching what I could do, what I could control. Um, mm -hmm. And I was still, I, I, my, the doctor knew I went off of my meds. I went in into the month and told him like, I, I went off meds for the last month. Like I'm not on anything right now, which he was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no arguing no, with you at that point. <laughs> but I mean, he, he grabbed my hands and he told me straight eyes, like you are going to have to take some meds to be able to function. If you want to be able to cook dinner for your family and to be able to, mm -hmm. you know, homeschool your kids, you're going to have to work with me here and we're going to have to find a happy medium. So I agreed to, to taking certain medications because without them, I am I am back on the couch. But I knew there were things I could do that I could control. So I really, you know, I tightened up my diet a lot. Um, I had been eating paleo. I'd gear, I steered more into a primal camp now. Um, mm -hmm. And I have to be pretty strict with it because sugar and stuff like that tends to trigger my symptoms. Um, but I listen to my body 
I don't, I don't follow just some dogma strictly. Um, I listen to what my body wants and what feels good. And certain rules apply to me, like, you know, like the sugar thing that, that tends to be a trigger. I can't have a whole mm -hmm. lot of it. Um, but then something like dairy, I don't really have issues with, um, Coconut oil, which everyone says, you know, is, is God's gift to man. I can't do it. It upsets my stomach to a point where like, I can't do coconut oil. Um, gotcha. I can do butter. I can do tons of butter. No, no issue. Um, so there's certain things like that, that, you know, I've, I've really had to listen and, and I keep a, I keep a journal. I keep a, on my calendar of my symptoms. And if I eat something, um, I tried to start having a few glasses of wine a week. That mm -hmm. experiment failed. It doesn't work for me. I can't <laughs> do it. Um, and my body told me so. Mm -hmm. I started. That's um, great that you tracked it like that with the calendar and the symptoms. Because oh, yeah. I mean, we, we have, when we run assessments with clients, we have them keep a food log and some of the food logs have little components where you can add notes. And I always encourage clients to to keep notes of just how they're feeling on any given day so that if something is off, they can we can look at the food. Like, did that have something to do with it? So that's great that you did that. Yeah, it's I'm I sure think that was very eye opening. It's a must. I mean, I took I kept a journal. I mean, my calendar has all these little notes. My doctor even took copies of it. He's like, I wish every patient would come in with this. This is actually I know, helpful. right? It's true. I feel that way about clients. I'm like, <laughs> well, the more information you have, the better because you have something yeah. to work off of then. And if it's and, not relevant, then it's not relevant. But at least you eliminated that as a factor. Absolutely. And being mm -hmm. a type A person, that kind of came natural. And it felt like I was doing something. Like I wasn't just right. surrendering. Being proactive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at my hunger patterns and I noticed I've never liked breakfast doesn't mm -hmm. do anything for me. I only ate it because every article you read said, if you don't eat breakfast, <laughs> you're going to gain weight and get fat. Yep. And yep. so I would force myself to eat breakfast and not really enjoy it and feel just kind of uh, afterwards. And so I, I stumbled upon intermittent fasting and I looked, you know, as far as my diagnosis goes, you know, how that would affect, because I knew, you know, some people say don't intermittent fast if, if you have a chronic illness or if you have autoimmune issues, which I do. Mm -hmm. um, by this point, when I started investigating all this, I had a pretty firm diagnosis of elevated Epstein-Barr levels, which it's kind of like having walking pneumonia, but it's walking mono. My levels okay. are still elevated. Um, wow. Not into the too numerous to count, but the last test I, I was at 150, which is higher than I was in December when I went in. Right. Um, and what what's the high level supposed to be again? Anything you over notice? 10 is considered a reactivation. 10. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you want to get like to 8 or something like that to show that gotcha. it's dormant. Mine's still in the 100s. Gotcha. Um, I have fibromyalgia, uh, myalgic encephalo encephalomyelitis is it's chronic fatigue but I really chronic chronic fatigue is kind of an insulting word for what this truly is. Um, I I feel that way too, and, and like I had mentioned before, your story reminds me of my mom a lot because when I was a teenager, that's what she was diagnosed with was chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, and this was a very long time ago, and it was before yeah. they 
they really had a name for it. And my mom kept saying, like, I feel like they just made it up because they didn't know what else to tell me. Exactly. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like just, oh, you're tired and lazy. And it's like, no, this is beyond that. This is this affects every aspect of your being, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also diagnosed with Sjogren's syndrome, which is autoimmune. And there is a test for that. And I came back positive for that. So you know, I've got neuropathy in my hands and feet and, you know, joint pain and a lot of stuff that I manage. Um, working out just wasn't on the table. So, you know, they always say you can't really do much with diet alone. You, you know, you can't do it with diet alone. I wanted to prove that wrong, that I could do most of it with diet alone. So I started and you're talking to- about you're talking about weight loss at, at this point. Is that correct? Yeah, because, well, kind of. I don't know. Or just feeling better too. Feeling better is was my number one key or number one goal. And then I wanted to look better because I, like I said, I was bloated and puffy and I looked like a sick, I didn't look like myself. Um, I didn't look bad, but it wasn't the way I wanted to look. So I started intermittent fasting and then I stumbled upon carb backloading. Made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And everything I read, it was kind of geared more toward people that, you know, lift and do hardcore, you know, CrossFit. But I wondered, you know, maybe it can work for me. I mean, what could it hurt? I can't get any worse. Um, right. Very true. You know, the intermittent fasting did help to a certain degree. Um, my stomach definitely felt better. And I felt like my energy was more stable because I wasn't using you know, digestion, digestion takes a lot of energy. And I wasn't using that first thing in the morning to where I had energy stores to get me further through the day. Um, but I started the carb backloading and I started that end of May and within two weeks, I mean, all the puffiness from the prednisone and, you know, pharmaceutical, cocktail that I had been on was gone. It was dramatic. I mean, to where I I took a picture in the mirror one day and I was like, holy cow, when did this happen? Um, Cellulite had disappeared. I mean, trouble areas that all the yoga in the world wasn't helping. Almost completely gone. Um, In two weeks. In two weeks. And now I've been doing it, you know, for three and a half months now. I have abs and I haven't done a yoga workout in eight months. I'm still, it's the last piece of my puzzle that I'm trying to add back in. You know, I still, I'm, I'm still unable to work. Driving is very difficult for me um, because of the dizziness and, you know, the Mm -hmm. just, I don't feel safe driving sometimes. Um, right. It's kind of unpredictable. You don't know how exactly. you're going to feel suddenly and you don't want to be like in the middle of rush hour traffic and then have yeah. some problems. And, and it takes a lot of energy to do. I mean, I have a stick. I drive a, you know, right. off, you know, it, it's, it's more physical and some days I just don't have it in me. And mm-hmm. so, you know, just going up to the yoga studio and doing a practice, you would think, oh, well, that's no big deal. For me, it's huge. I mean, that takes, you know, you got to get changed. You got to drive up there. You do the practice itself. You visit with people. It's just. Right. You probably used up all your energy just getting there. Exactly. And then once you're there, you're like, okay, I have nothing left. Yeah. 
Totally. Mm -hmm. So that's the last piece that I haven't quite figured out how to put in, but mm -hmm. I like my body looks better than it, than it ever has. My husband, I mean, he was just, I was in awe, but my husband was like, holy cow. Like, right. Your what body's doing? never looked this good. <laughs> Even when you were doing yoga all, you know, wow. six days a week, he right. started doing it and he started getting abs. I mean, it's like, and we're not even lifting or working out. It's just happening. Just the shift and, in, in macronutrient timing essentially is what, it's what you did. It's completely, you know, yep. timing of when you eat and what you eat at what time. Mm -hmm. I can actually cheat now. I mean. That's nice. I have, you know. Very liberating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I have bread at night and not every night, but. I can have what would normally be a trigger food for me if I have it at night. Mm -hmm. It doesn't harm me. Like I don't notice it. I don't gain weight. It doesn't put on bloat or, you know, that middle just uh, feeling in your midsection. Um, and it, like as far as my symptoms go, they don't seem to trigger. So. You know, it's almost like, I mean, I kept saying when I started my search, like I, I felt like there was a code that could be cracked. I just had to find it. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like I've cracked my code. I mean. That's great. The primal well, I'm sure everyone is curious as to what, what your, what a week of car backloading would look like. Like how often were you doing it? Were you having just strict low carb days or were you backloading most nights? Like how did you, how did you first start once you, once you discovered it and you were starting to start playing with it? When I discovered it and what I still do now, I carb backload every night. Um, mm -hmm. That's why, you know, and it's working. Um, mm -hmm. I have, you know, I don't eat breakfast. If I have lunch, it's like a salad with some chicken on top or something real light. Cause I find that my, my appetite just really isn't as strong as it used to be. If I eat a big lunch, I can't really eat a big dinner. Um, mm -hmm. So I keep my lunch is very low carb. I don't have any fruit or, you know, rice or potato or anything like that during the day. At night, you know, I my family all eats, you know, my kids have more carbs during the day, but the whole family eats the same. And, you know, we have some kind of protein and I usually have rice or roasted sweet potato or rice pasta occasionally, occasionally a piece of bread, something. I don't have a whole lot, but a little bit at dinner. And then um, I either have fruit or some kind of, you know, a couple bites of chocolate for dessert. And that's, that's, that's how I do it. It's actually really, it's, that's what's crazy is it's so easy it's not mm -hmm. like it's some difficult thing it's actually right. like easier than following some strict plan because all I do is just save my carbs for night and having that carb boost there in the evening really it helps me sleep better which is a big problem I have a lot of issues with getting good sleep at night um, oh I remember you mentioning that with, you know, being able to cut down on your sleep aids because you were able to sleep better because of the carbs. That's great. Oh, absolutely. Um, before I started carb backloading, I was taking two milligrams of Xanax every night and usually wow. Unisom on top of that. Wow. 
that's quite a cocktail. Yeah. I mean, it is, but if I was going to get any sleep, that's pretty much what I had to do. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've been able to cut that in half where I, I still take one milligram of Xanax at night, but like I said, I cut it in half and that's great. I'm okay with that. Like I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm at ease with any pharmaceuticals that I am having to take any meds. They make me, they help me be functional at this point in my recovery. Um, right. And they're the most, I mean, believe me, my doctor would rather me be on these other things because it would, he feels like it would solve my problems quicker, but he understands that I, I don't feel comfortable with that. And so he works with right. me. And it's really important to have that is. open communication and have someone that, that you can actually have a conversation with about that and not someone that's just telling you what you need to do and not listening to your concerns. Exactly. And, you know, he's, he's shocked at my, you know, my blood work as far as I should have really high inflammation, you know, levels. I have none. It, they're all totally normal. And I really credit that with the way I've been eating. And so I have friends that, you know, like, oh, I just, you know, I'm wanting to lose some weight. And they're just, they're trying to go strict low carb. They're trying this and that. And it's like, look, it's really easy. Just skip breakfast, eat lunch around one or two, save all your carbs for a night. And you'll like totally transform your body in two weeks. Like you don't even really have to work out that much. If you do, it's just a bonus, you know? I mean, right, right. that's been my experience. And I mean, this is from someone who is still like chronically ill. I, you know, I, I had a really bad flare up this weekend and was back on the couch and taking hot mm -hmm. baths and magnesium salt to try to, you know, tone it down. Um, mm -hmm. That's lifted now. Like I'm having a better day today. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, I can't go to the gym and, you know, work out for an hour. I have to, if I want to fit into my, you know, my jeans the way I want to, I've got to do it with diet. And I really feel like the car backloading has been the game changer, complete game That's changer. Great. I mean, I've dropped a size in jeans and I'm, I'm fairly petite. And, mm -hmm. you know, I told my husband, I'm like, like half of my jeans don't fit anymore. Like they don't look right. They're, you know, got the baggy butt and, you know, yeah. sitting low on my hips. And um, I don't know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like even when I talk about it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like how did this happen so effortlessly, really? And quickly, it sounds like. I mean, especially considering how long you had been doing what you've been doing before with like you said, little to show for it and all the work you were putting in mm -hmm. to have something work that drastically that fast without any exercise says a lot. It says a whole lot. I mean, it, it was within two weeks. And now mm -hmm. after being on it for three months, I mean, my arms are real defined. It looks like, I mean, people have made, made comments that like, oh, working out again or whatever. It's like, no, that's just car backloading. It's, that's great it's magical it is magical. so i mean my kids even laugh about it and you know they'll be like they'll want some sweet treat and they're like car backloading as they're eating ice cream <laughs> so that's great though that they that they've been able to to be there 
along your side, kind of see what you've gone through. And I mean, hopefully start to understand the importance of a good diet and that you can be in control of your health and you can, you know, go take things into your own hands and figure out what's going to work best for you. And sometimes that does take research. It takes an open mind and some level of experimentations and patience. And it sounds like, you know, you had gone through a big gamut of of uh, trial and errors. And I mean, it sounds like this might be the key to, to keep things moving along in a positive direction. I really feel like it is. I mean, because I'm, I've been stable now for two months. Am I, you know... Mm-hmm out doing cartwheels and, you know, back to, you know, completely normal. No, that's great. But (laughs) I can cook dinner for my family almost every night. I keep up with the housework. I can, you know, homeschool my kids and take them to homeschool group. And, you know, I, like I said, that next piece is adding my yoga practice back into the mix, but I'm not so worried about it now because with the way I've been eating, it's, it, it's, it's, it's so improved my self-esteem. I don't feel like a sick person. I don't feel like I look like a sick person. I look like me again. Like it, it brought back, I always say it brought back my shine and it's important. It's so important because when you feel normal, like you look normal and you know that you're you I feel like it just, it, it just, it helps you with your healing process. It gets you over those humps that are going to show up. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, you have some sort of ray of light in the darkness and it gives you hope. Very much so. And once, especially if you, if you're able to just start feeling a little bit better and be able to do just your everyday normal tasks, like you mentioned, it, it just being able to do that. It's like, okay, ho- maybe just over some time, I'll be able to slowly add this and that back in and but be able to do it in a in a controlled way and and understand what your body's gone through and potentially what it could get back to exactly and I think that's the the key is you know if women are listening to this and it's like listen to your body listen to your gut listen to your intuition Mm -hmm. your body is your best best tool and you know, and it's our home. It's the only one we get. Exactly. So listen to your body and try some different things. And it might take some, you know, trial and error. I mean, I, I always joke that I'm like my own little experiment, you know, personal experiment. I try, I try things mm-hmm. and, you know, my body will tell me yes or no. And I, I think, you know, a lot of women fall into the trap of just following a program strictly right. and overlook and not things. paying attention. Yeah. Not paying attention along the way. And, and like I said, you know, the coconut oil doesn't work for me, even though it works for lots of other people. Right. That's what my body told me. So, you know, listen to those signs and watch your body. Your body will transform and show you if you're on the right path or not. Mm -hmm. So. I'm very excited to have you back on down the road and hear. too. What else has changed? Because again, it's it's been such a short period of time, and it's fabulous that you've gotten such a drastic result so quickly. So I'm just I'm excited to see what you know a year into this, 
how things possibly could change, especially yes. once you've been able to experiment with adding some exercise back in and, uh, you know, just re- continue to run your little experiments and, and keep track of everything and pay attention along the way. I'm really excited to see see what could happen. The potential Me is great. <laughs> and I would love to come back and visit with you again. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm sure our listeners would, would, would love to hear as well and really appreciate you sharing your story. I mean, I'm sure the the past few years have not been easy and you should be very proud of yourself for everything that you've you know managed how well you've managed it and and not giving up on yourself i think is really important well thank you you're very welcome you're very welcome well it was great talking to you we just have a few minutes left before we wrap up is there i, I loved what you said just here at the end about you know paying attention to your body and and running little tests to see what's going to work best for you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with with our female listeners that might help them along the way if if someone might be struggling with a similar issue? I think trust your gut. And if you feel like something is really wrong, keep going. Find a doctor that will help. Um, Be an advocate for yourself. You know, I mean, I love my doctor, but there's some things that he suggests that I'm just not okay with. I research Mm -hmm. a lot and, you know, look at a lot of different sources and I voice that and I don't just do what I'm told. You know, I, I speak up and, you know, question things and I think that's okay. And if your doctor doesn't, Mm -hmm. isn't down with that, then if, you know, might need a different doctor. Um, I think it's important to be a team with your medical professionals um, and giving yourself time. Um, and I mean, I'm talking to myself right now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cutting yourself some slack that it, it mm-hmm. isn't just going to necessarily get better overnight, but tweaking little things here and there, like those little small things eventually turn out to be something quite huge, a huge change. And Definitely you know, the patience will pay off. So it's a great message. I love it. I think a lot of us can can agree with that. So thank you so much, Danny, for joining us on the show. Um, Sorry, AJ couldn't be here. But hopefully next time she will be able to join us. Wanted to thank everyone for listening in to another episode of Her Body. And we will catch you next time. Bye bye. You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengel. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.